0: good morning good afternoon and good evening whatever time you're listening to this please welcome to the market color podcast this is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with a broad overview of the global financial markets including a special focus on the kenyan markets and in order to deliver on this objective we have structured this podcast To begin with an overview of the global markets so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the domestic markets with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. Ladies and gentlemen, this here is episode number 75, and as mentioned previously, to commemorate the first anniversary of the Market Club podcast, I'm in the process of writing a book that is focused on fundamental analysis, and this will help our listeners to develop a better understanding of the global financial markets, and in particular, how economic data influences asset prices a quick progress update we've now finished with the layout of the book and we're now working on the cover design which is the last stage before we publish the book so hopefully in the next three to four weeks we will finally be ready and as usual we'll keep you posted on the progress and now to this week's podcast where we are reviewing the performance of the global markets during the 39th week of 2023 and that is from Monday the 25th to Friday the 29th of September. And without further ado, this is your host Jamuhuri and together let's dive right in. We kick it off in the United States, where the Fed's favorite inflation indicator rose less than expected in the month of August, indicating that the fight against inflation is indeed making progress. The Commerce Department reported on Friday that over the past 12 months, the Core Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, which excludes food and energy prices, recorded an increase of 3.9%. And on a monthly basis, the price index increased by just 0.1% in August, which was the smallest monthly increase. Since November 2020. Meanwhile, the headline number, which includes food and energy prices, this has been creeping higher in recent months and increased by 3.5% over the past 12 months and by 0.4% for the month of August. On the ongoing negotiations in the US Congress, Ray Dalio, who is the founder of Bridgewater Associates, which is the largest hedge fund in the world with over $120 billion in assets under management, last week said that due to the current fiscal situation in the United States, the country is likely to experience a debt crisis in the near future. You will recall that just last week, the U.S. national debt surpassed $33 trillion as lawmakers attempt to negotiate for a U.S. pending bill before the 1st of October deadline. A failure to reach an agreement could result in a government shutdown and consequently raise the perceived risk of the country's debt. To avoid a government shutdown, the U.S. Senate passed a last-minute spending bill on Saturday night, and the bill was then signed into law by the President, This bill allowed the government to stay open for another 45 days, giving the U.S. Congress more time to finalize on their funding legislation. And across the Atlantic, flash figures released on Friday showed that Eurozone inflation cooled off to its lowest level since October 2021, as the annual rate of inflation fell to 4.3% in the month of September, and this was down from 5.2% in August. Meanwhile, core inflation, which excludes food and energy prices and is closely watched by policymakers, also dropped to 4.5% in the month of September, down from 5.3% in August. This latest inflation data comes after the European Central Bank recently hiked its benchmark interest rate to a record high of 4% following its September policy meeting. September is traditionally a tough month for stocks, and this year was no different, as the Dow Jones Industrial Average retreated on Friday, as investors followed the latest news about a potential government shutdown. The blue chip index lost about 159 points to finish off at 33,507, whilst the S&P 500 dropped 0.27% to close at 4,288. And the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite traded up by 0.14% to end the session at 13219 All the three major indices had actually traded higher earlier in the day, however concerns about a potential government shutdown weighed down on the market as U.S. lawmakers failed to pass a short-term spending bill on Friday evening. The stock market saw sharp losses for the month of September as the Dow declined by 3.5%, whilst the S&P 500 was down by 4.9%, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite fell by about 5.8%. In the U.S. bond market, U.S. Treasury yields pulled back on Friday after the Fed's preferred measure of inflation showed signs that inflation was easing off. Investors were also concerned about a potential government shutdown, after U.S. lawmakers failed to pass a short-term spending bill on Friday evening. The yield on the policy-sensitive two-year Treasury note declined by more than one basis point to 5.06%, whilst the yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury bond pulled back from a 15-year high of 468 that was hit on a Thursday as it slipped about 10 basis points to 4. Meanwhile, the yield on the 30-year Treasury bond also dipped more than two basis points to 4.70%. On the interest rate outlook, the Federal Reserve said that it expects to hike interest rates at least one more time before the end of this year and warned that borrowing costs will remain higher for longer. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil dipped by about 1% on Friday, mainly due to macroeconomic concerns, as well as profit-taking by investors. However, despite the dip on Friday, the price of crude oil rose about 30% in the third quarter of 2023, and this was on the back of production cuts by the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. The price of Brent crude was down 7 cents on Friday but was up about 2.2% for the week and was up 27% for the third quarter to eventually close the day at $95.31 per barrel. Meanwhile, the U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate, this fell by 92 cents on Friday but was up 1% for the week and was up 29% for the third quarter to finally settle at $90.97 per barrel. The supply cuts announced by Saudi Arabia and Russia are expected to dominate the oil markets for the remainder of this year, as the price of crude oil moves closer to $100 a barrel. Meanwhile, the price of Marban oil, which Kenya imports, rose to $97.35 a barrel, and this was up from $95.67 the previous week. In the precious metals market, the price of gold dipped on Friday and was on track for both a monthly and a quarterly decline on expectations that the Federal Reserve may opt to keep interest rates higher for longer. The price of sport gold fell 0.8% to $1,850 per ounce which was its lowest price in the past six months. Bullion was set for a monthly drop of 4.6% in September and a quarterly decline of 3.6% in the third quarter of 2023. And as you are all aware, Higher interest rates raise the opportunity cost of holding the non-yielding asset that is gold, which means that it doesn't yield any interest. We now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets and we start by looking at the cost of living in the country, where during the past week, the Kenyan National Bureau of Statistics released the annual inflation data for the month of September which indicated that inflation increased marginally from 6.7% in August to 6.8% in September. The increase in headline inflation was mainly driven by an increase in commodity prices that resulted in higher prices for food and energy-related items such as electricity, gas, and fuel oil for transport. And in the domestic foreign exchange market, the shilling continued to depreciate versus the major international currencies, but remained relatively stable versus the regional currencies. And according to data obtained from the central bank website, the official exchange rate for the U.S. dollar was quoted at 147.94 compared to 147.26 the previous week. However, in the interbank market, commercial banks were selling the U.S. dollar at between 151 shillings on the lower side to above 154 shillings on the higher side. Meanwhile, the sterling pound was priced at 179.63 and the euro was valued at 155.79. And on the regional front, 1 Kenyan shilling was changing hands for 25.38 Ugandan shillings and 16.93 Tanzanian shillings. And to the Rwandese franc it was posted at 8.17. In the past one year, the Kenyan shilling has lost about 20% of its value against the regional currencies and this in turn has weakened the country's dominant trading position in the East African region. The current trend suggests that the Kenya shilling will continue to depreciate for the foreseeable future, and this is mainly due to the country's excessive national debt, which now stands at above 70% of the gross domestic product and consumes about 60% of total revenue collections. And what that means is that for every one shilling that the Kenya Revenue Authority collects, 60 cents will go towards debt repayment. On foreign exchange reserves, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves declined by $16 million to $6.939 billion U.S. billion, which is equivalent to 3.75 months of import cover. This limit is in breach of the central bank statutory requirement to endeavor to maintain at least four months of import cover. And in spite of the recent funding received from both the World Bank and the IMF, Kenya's foreign exchange reserves remain under intense pressure, and this is mainly due to the increased cost of servicing our external debt obligations, which has pushed the country to the precipice of a sovereign debt default. In the money market, the liquidity situation in the interbank market tightened up during the past week as tax remittances to the government exceeded and more than offset government payments into the market. The excess reserves held by commercial banks in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement declined from 28.1 billion shillings the previous week to 193 Billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active as the average interbank rate increased marginally from 12.18% the previous week to 12.34%. And during the week, the average value that was traded in the interbank market declined from 25.1 billion shillings the previous week to 22.5 billion shillings. In the government securities market, the weekly treasury bill auction was held on Thursday the 28th of September and the central bank received bids totaling 13.7 billion shillings against an advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance rate of about 57%. However, the central bank ended up accepting a measly 4.5 billion shillings. Interest rates on all the three tenors increased marginally as the bulk of the bids, totaling about 11 billion shillings, were concentrated at the short end of the yield curve, where the 91-day rate inched up by 3.4 basis points to average out at 14.82%, whilst the 182-day rate ticked up by just one basis point to level off at 14.94%, And the 364-day rate declined by 16.7 basis points to settle at 15.05%. For your information, one basis point is equivalent to 0.01% and therefore 100 basis points is equal to one percentage point. Please note that as interest rates continue to rise, investors remain focused at the short end of the yield curve where they can reinvest their funds at a higher rate every 91 days. And for your information, given that the dollar-shilling exchange rate has depreciated by about 20% over the past one year and the fact that the U.S. dollar interest rate is now hovering around 5%, This implies that the break-even interest rate for the Kenya shilling should now be at least 25%. In the primary bond market, the auction for the top sale of the September bond issue was held on Thursday, the 28th of September, and the central bank received bids totalling 3.4 billion shillings Against an advertised amount of 15 billion shillings, representing a dismal performance rate of 23%. The central bank had offered for sale two fixed coupon treasury bonds, and the results were as follows. The FAST bond, which is a reopened two year bond with 1.9 years left to maturity, the central bank accepted 2.6 billion shillings at a weighted average rate of 17.45% vis-a-vis the bond's coupon rate at 16.97%. The second bond is a reopened 10-year bond with 2.9 years left to maturity, and the central bank accepted 763 million shillings at a weighted average rate of 17.92%, vis-a-vis the bond's coupon rate at 15.039%. In the secondary bond market, the turnover in the domestic secondary market increased by a whopping 233% during the past week. And in the international markets, the yields on Kenya's Eurobonds were on an upward trajectory, with the yield on the 10 year Eurobond that matures in 2024 increasing the most by 190 basis points. From 16.8% that was recorded the previous week to 18.7%. Please note that the yield on Kenya's Eurobond represents the rate of return that investors are demanding for investing in Kenya's dollar denominated Eurobonds. The Eurobond yield also represents the level of risk associated with a particular country. And therefore, the higher the yield, the higher the perceived risk of default. And for your information, the central bank's monetary policy committee will be meeting this coming week on Tuesday, the 3rd of October. And at the Nairobi Securities Exchange, during the past week, the equities market was on the downward trajectory. With the NSC 10 declining the most by 1.8%, whilst the NASI, the NSC 20, and the NSC 25 declined by 1.6%, 0.7%, and 1.3%, respectively. This takes the year to date performance to losses of 25.2% for the NASI, 9.9% for the NSC 20, and 21.2% for the NSC 25. The market's performance was mainly driven by losses recorded by large-cap stocks such as Kenya Commercial Bank, Equity Group, and Safaricom, which declined by 6.7%, 3.7%, and 2.7% respectively. These losses were, however, mitigated by gains recorded by other large-cap stocks such as Stanbik Bank, NCBA Group, and Standard Chartered Bank, which increased by 3.8%, 1.6%, and 1.2% respectively. And up next is our topical issue. And in our topical issue this week, we are looking at the Treasury's plan for external borrowing. The Treasury has signaled that it will take up syndicated loans after it raised its external borrowing target for the 2023-2024 fiscal year. The target for external commercial financing has now been raised from the previous estimate of 270 billion shillings up to 467 billion shillings, indicating that the exchequer will be leveraging funding from the international capital markets. The upward revision in external financing has resulted from the reduction in domestic borrowing which we covered last week. Previously, the National Treasury was expected to tap only 270 billion shillings from external sources in order to meet the refinancing of the 2 billion euro bond that matures in June 2024. The exchequer says that the additional commercial financing from the international capital markets could take various forms, and according to the Director General of the Public Debt Management Office, External financing can either be a syndicated loan or a bilateral loan taken under commercial terms. Kenya's return to the international capital markets comes after a haters that was enforced by unsustainable US dollar interest rates, which had peaked at about 22%. Kenya's external borrowing in the current fiscal year is said to be dominated by the refinancing of the 2 billion euro bond which matures in June 2024. And in this regard, the Treasury has engaged both Citibank and Stanpik Bank as advisors on the upcoming Eurobond maturity. The lead managers are expected to draw up a timetable detailing the key milestones, including a potential partial buyback as well as currency options. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening to the Market Color podcast. I hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. I really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. And for your information, the Market Color podcast is now available on all the major hosting directories. That is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, as well as Amazon Music. The Market Color Podcast is now also available on the WhatsApp channel. Please consider subscribing so that you can be notified every time I publish a new episode. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. That is Jamuhuri G at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support. Look forward to interacting with you again next week. And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a blessed and fantastic week ahead. And remember, the future belongs to the risk takers not the security seekers think about it thank you and god bless